Hey everybody, it's Father Chris Culpepper, the Rector at Christ the Redeemer, and I want to welcome you. I want to welcome you to this study that we're calling Back to the Basics. Um, this opportunity for us to engage in the basic tools of our Christian formation, particularly in the Anglican tradition. As you've been hearing us talk about, we're going to study the Bible. We're going to study the Book of Common Prayer, the 2019 edition put out by the Anglican Church in North America, and we're going to study the Catechism. Um, this is being recorded, but we, we want it to be as authentic as, as possible. So if we trip up along the way, this is not meant to be a production. This is meant to be sort of a relational engagement with you all in ways that we might teach and interact in a small group, in a life group, or on uh, Sunday morning in Sunday school class. So with that in mind, let me open us with a word of prayer, and we'll dive into our lesson. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of creation that in the beginning you spoke and everything came into being. And Lord, we marvel at that mystery, that your ability to create everything out of nothing surpasses our human understanding. And yet, Lord, we know that it's true, that the supernatural is somehow greater than the natural and the supernatural intersects in the natural world to show us who you are and how you have made yourself known to us. So I pray that as we begin and continue and end this study, that it would be informative, but most importantly, that it would be transformative, that it would help us to know and love and serve Jesus our Savior even more than we do right now, for it's in his name that we pray. Amen. So again, we're starting with the Bible. We're starting with the accompanying book, 30 Days to Understanding the Bible. I hope that you've found both of those tools right now or, or by now. Um, the English Standard Version, the ESV translation of the Bible, and Max Anders' book, 30 Days to Understanding the Bible. So this teaching is going to come in two parts. What I want to do uh, in the first part is, is just give you a, a prelude to the, to the work that you're going to do. And then afterward, I'll, I'll give a summary of those things. I want to give an introduction, and then we'll pause and let you do the work, and then I'll come back with some concluding thoughts and, and remarks. So I want to say this. Um, you already know this. We are about to engage in the best-selling book of all time. The Bible is the best-selling book of all time. It has been translated into thousands of different languages, People have literally given their lives to get the Bible to other people in other countries and other nations and other tribes and other tongues. The Bible has been examined, it's been scrutinized, it's been challenged, it's been picked apart like no other piece of literature in human history. And it should, because if the Bible is not true, if it's a lie, then we need to put it down and run as far away from it as fast as we possibly can. But on the other hand, if it's the truth, if the Bible is the Word of God as it claims to be, then we should embrace it. We should hold fast to it. We should live out the Word of God according to the will of God for us in our lives. And that's exactly what we intend to do. Let me offer us the words that Jesus himself spoke in John 14, 6 when he said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That is the central Christian claim that Jesus is who he claimed to be. And in this study of the word of God, we're going to open our hearts and we're going to open our minds to be transformed more and more into the likeness and image of Jesus our Savior. 
We hope this will be a, a provocative study for you all. Um, I'm sure that you have many questions. Uh, you may have as many questions as you have answers. You may have more questions than answers, especially as we begin in what we're calling the creation era, the first section of scripture that we're going to study. There are questions that we simply have to acknowledge as mysteries that are yet unknown to us and may not be known until we get onto the other side of eternity. Questions like, where did Cain's wife come from? We don't know. We don't have an answer to that question. So let's talk about things that the Bible is not for just a minute. The Bible is not a book of scientific hypotheses. That is to say, you can't put God in creation in a test tube, in a repeatable experiment, and come up with an answer that's testable, that's provable over time. In other words, we won't find out who God is primarily by scientific process. The Bible is not primarily meant for geological or archaeological exploration. Of course, those things are good and they're useful to us in our study. But my point is this, you won't, the Bible won't tell you about the existence of dinosaurs on the earth. And we may or may not ever find things like Noah's Ark. So much more can and needs to be said about these kinds of things, but that's a little bit outside of the scope of this particular class. Uh, but with that in mind, I am happy to answer all kinds of questions that you may have for me. This is meant to be an open discussion, and while we can't do that face-to-face, -face, if you want to send me emails with your questions, I will take them up and be happy to answer them either in this format or with individual responses to you. So the point is this, the Bible is primarily a book about faith. The Bible is a book about relationship. And we, we, when we talk about faith as Christians, we're not talking about taking an intellectual leap off of a cliff into some cloud of unknowing. When we talk about faith, we're actually talking about learning to trust God to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, to examine the facts of human history for ourselves and come to the declaration that Jesus is Lord. When we talk about relationship, we're talking about knowing who God is and how he has revealed himself to us in the world. And we're talking about the kind of relationship that God wants to have with us and that he wants us to have with him. Therefore, we uphold that the Bible gives us enough. The Bible gives us enough to know how to live in this troubled and transitory life. And the Bible gives us enough to know how to inherit eternal life by the merits and mercies of Jesus, our Savior. So for now, I'm just going to pause and I'm going to invite you to do this first section, the creation narrative, the creation era. In my book, it's chapter four, but the title is the creation era. Um, I will pause. I will allow you all to, to do that work. Take as much time as you need to work through the chapter. It's actually pretty short. Um, take time to discuss it with your life group or among your families, questions that you may have, thoughts that you may have. And then I'm going to come back with a summary and, and a couple of supplemental thoughts. Uh, but as you enter the study of the creation era, I want to leave us with the words from John's gospel where the apostle John writes this, speaking specifically about his gospel, but I think it applies to the whole of scripture as well. He writes, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So I invite you to take that idea and simply apply it to this part of the study that we're going to do, the creation narrative, and I'll be back once you're done with the second part to offer a few concluding thoughts. Thank you.
Hey everybody, it's Father Chris again, uh, this time with the, the supplementary comments, the summary comments of the creation era. I hope you um, probe the depths of all that that chapter had to offer, and I hope that that gave you some very provocative thoughts, some very engaging questions. Um, questions that again I will invite you to submit to me in, in email form and I'll be happy to take them up. So let me do a quick summary. As you noticed in the chapter, there are four major events. The first is the creation event itself, which declares that we are made in the likeness and image of God. The second event is the fall. That's where sin entered the world. The third is the flood, if you will, the judgment for sin, as the author talks about it. And then fourthly, the Tower of Babel, which is the story that talks about the beginning of the nations of the earth as they knew them historically and as they came to be, of course, over time. So those are the four major events, the creation, the fall, the flood, and the Tower of Babel. And hopefully you filled out the storyline summary, a very simple sentence that says, Adam, and of course Eve, Adam and Eve are created by God, but he, or but they sin, and they destroy God's original plan for humanity. That's the main idea that comes out of this chapter, that God made us in his likeness and image, but we sinned against him, and that destroyed the original plan for relationship. We can now see the brokenness of relationship that unfolds even in just the first three chapters, and what continues to happen as the narrative unfolds, the Tower of Babel and the consequences of the fall. So I want to point out this as a little bit of a supplement to that summary. First, we can see a pattern of relationship that unfolds. All throughout the Old Testament, we find this pattern and we find it repeated. Creation, fall, judgment, mercy, new creation. Creation, fall, judgment, mercy, new creation. That pattern of relationship between God and humanity is the repeating theme of the entire Old Testament that we're going to study in this season. So first, there's a pattern that's repeated. Secondly, there's a foundation of relationship that we see emerging in that pattern. Again, who God is and how God acts in the world. And secondly, the kind of relationship, therefore, that he has with us and that he wants us to have with him. Also, we see the introduction of what we call covenant theology. Everything that happens in the creation narrative with God and the serpent and Adam and Eve, that's what we call the proto-covenant. And in that proto-covenant, we see everything that we need to know in the rest of Scripture about the character of God, his righteousness, his justice, his goodness, his love, his mercy, and his grace. All of those uh, attributes of God's character are found in that proto-covenant with Adam and Eve, and they're played out and highlighted in different facets of Scripture. So in chapters 1 through 11, we come to the first covenant uh, the covenant that God makes with Noah. It's interesting how many times the word covenant is used in the relationship God has with Noah. So I encourage you to go back and read in particular that section of Scripture. But the main thing I want to highlight about this first covenant that we find in Scripture is that it highlights a very important character trait of God that we talked about just a minute ago. It highlights his righteousness. If you think about the covenant God makes with Noah... It does two things. It punishes wickedness and it preserves righteousness. The covenant God makes with Noah punishes wickedness and it preserves righteousness. And that shows us that God is a God whose character manifests righteousness in and through the world. And then final word is that these elements, of course, they're all a preparation for revealing Jesus as the Savior of the world. 
So I invite you to stay tuned. I invite you to look forward to this journey. And I invite you again to feel free to ask any questions that you may have about the creation era. Thank you for engaging in this study and God bless you on your journey.